filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter, you deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Because you I were am, wrong. Well, no, that's yes, so that's future news. Yes, you that's were future wrong. news for you for listeners. That's future news. You'll hear about that later in the week. But before that, he was mad at me because I'm currently recording this in Williamsburg, Virginia, where I came on vacation with my family, and I did not consult Ben about the operating well, status of lunch counters in this city. Right. Well, because like. If there's one thing that all William and Mary alums know, it is the current status of sandwiches at the cheese shop. Is that from the chip that they put in your head when you're here, or? I mean, we didn't the even need that. We all, we all just talked about it on Facebook. It's just like every William and Mary alum was just like, the cheese shop has, is not selling sandwiches anymore. What the F? And it just it just it just went organically. We didn't even need the chips that have been installed in our heads by uh, former FCC uh, uh, Chairman Michael Powell, who's a William and Mary alum. I mean, what? Um, yeah, that was that was weird. Your eyes like were dead for that. Like that was not. Yeah, yeah, and, and that was not. Uh, did you. they go a little? That was, that was the chip. Is, did they go a little red too? Yeah, they. Yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah, glitch. There might, there might like be the some Bobcats evidence here. Jersey. We're we're inching closer to discover uh, discovering how Ben is is a Manchurian candidate uh, for something. <laughs> it just not clear F- what other C- than possibly Cincinnati will not get the wooden spoon. <laughs> I think if we say anything bad about John Stewart, the William and Mary chip will will turn on, and you know Ben will be forced to scold or, us or something. I guess or he, wa- he was a. John Stewart was also a varsity soccer player uh, for William and Mary. The oh, guy. I know. That that's yeah. that's that was my poll. That's why I know he went to William and Mary. Is the picture of him as a soccer player there? Uh, hey, hey, welcome in. This is filibuster, the Black and Red United and William and Mary Conspiracies podcast. I am Adam Taylor, joined as always by Ben Bromley, Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, and uh, we actually get to talk about the season now. The preseason is over. DC United opens their season, their regular season this weekend, and we are excited. Uh, on this episode, we will be talking about the last preseason game and some news that, that ensued afterward, and we'll also be previewing the season opener against Charlotte FC at Audi Field. Catch it Saturday, 6 p.m. It's going to be cold, so bundle up if you go. If you don't go, you can watch it on NBC Sports Washington, Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN+, Plus, depending on where you are and what your cable package is and all of that. Before we talk about any of that, though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking? Uh Apparently, today is National Margarita Day or one of the National Margarita Days. I think if you go like six weeks and you just tell me tell me that it's that, I will keep believing you. Um, but it's one of them. I saw it on the internet. Uh, but I don't have the makings for a margarita. I am out of all, all things lime. Uh, so instead, I've just got some uh, uh, 
El, El Padrino de Mi Tierra Añejo Tequila, and that's it. Um, or it's on the rocks, but that's that's it. Nice. Uh, I I ate dinner at a Mexican restaurant today and did not know it was one of the many national days honoring margaritas. You weren't online. Yeah, it's true. I I should have consulted with Ben. He would have known and he would have told me. <laughs> um, so I I had a Modelo at dinner and I'm having a Devil's Backbone Vienna Lager here to try to make amends with, with I'm Virginia. A it's a classic. Yeah. What are you drinking, Ben? I am drinking. So over this past weekend, I, I made a secret trek up to the District of Columbia. I spent my entire time in uh, 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 southeast near the Navy Yard, saw Chris Fleming, uh, a great comedian. And uh, as part of that, we went to Atlas Beer Works. And I picked up a six pack of uh, Atlas Beer Works's uh, Silent Neighbor uh, uh, Stout. Porter stout. Uh, and so that's what I'm drinking right now. Uh, and it's very good. If I ever run a brewery, I'm definitely going to have a beer that's called uh, like whatever the name is. And then stout Porter stout. Yeah. I like that naming convention. That's a good one. Um, so DC United's 2022 preseason is officially in the books following a two to two draw against the LA galaxy last weekend. United took an early lead through Steven Birnbaum who finished up a scramble that ensued after a Julian Gressel free kick, uh, only to have Chicharito equalize for the hosts shortly thereafter. Similar pattern after halftime. Uh, Michael Estrada headed home at Gressel free kick in his preseason debut for United. Uh, again, Gressel free kick. Uh, and then Chicharito pulled LA even. Jason, you were actually able to watch this game. Uh, I, I was not because, well, reasons. But... Uh, what what stuck out to you about this one? Uh, you know, as much as it's a little frustrating to take the lead twice and not come away with a win, um, I felt like mo- for the most part, DC was pretty good. This was probably pretty close to the lineup for the weekend, um, give or take um, Griffin Yao. I think uh, Adrian Perez, according to Steve Goff, who was actually out there at the game, um, was they were thinking about starting him and then they decided maybe it's not the best idea. He has a little minor knock. So kind of a precautionary thing. Um, but yeah, I, I thought DC outplayed, um, uh, outplayed the galaxy for most of the game. Um, I, w- I was telling you guys after the game that if, if you had to narrow it down to her, the 10 best chances, I say DC had about seven of the 10 best. Um, it's just that the goals they gave up were especially that second goal. Um, just, uh, you know, pretty substantial mistakes, but easily corrected mistakes is the thing. Stuff that um, you, you would expect them to not do very much at all once the regular season gets going. Um, so overall, pretty good. Um, they left some chances on the table, which I guess is kind of something that we got used to last year to a certain extent. Um, but yeah, the, the they were, when they pressed especially, they were very disruptive. Uh, the Galaxy did not really know what to do about it. Um, when they didn't press, this is kind of a thing that we got last year as well, which is they're not nearly as good at that, that style of not, you know, dropping that line of contention and still pressing, but drop pressing deeper in the field than they do normally. They're less sure in those phases. And that showed up again here. Um, there were, you know, some individual performances, Adam, you mentioned Gressel's, uh, set pieces were as good as last year. 
Um, so that's really promising. Uh, we know, especially early in the season, that uh, that's probably going to be a big factor for a lot of teams. DC, you know, should get off to a good start. The schedule has set them up to get off to a good start, but it is nice to have that sort of in your back pocket that you don't have to score open play goals when everyone's still figuring the the last little kinks out. Um, I, I liked what I saw from Edison Flores later as, as the game proceeded. Um, he and uh, Michael Estrada started to show some connection. Uh, they had a few moments where they combined uh, pretty well to, to break things open, which is probably, it, it took Flores a little while uh, for the first half hour. Or so it was kind of like, you know, is, is Edison going to, get in the game or not here um but yeah i i think overall pretty pretty solid for you know this stage of the, the preseason um if if not for a couple of breakdowns dc wins the game and if they finish a little better they also win the game um so you know not perfect but they were the better team and that's what that's i think what i would like to see at this stage of the preseason is like the Galaxy are fine. Um, I think they've been a little overrated by the national press, but they're not terrible. But if DC is better than them right now in their own stadium, with there were there were nine thousand people at that game, um, so if you come into their preseason finale with a home crowd at this stage of the year, you're not really used to home crowds yet, and outplay them to the extent DC did, that's that points in the right direction. So I came away from it feeling pretty good, not great, but pretty good. Uh, that kind of sums up the preseason in general, in a lot of ways. DC United came through these four games unbeaten, um, gave up some goals that were reminiscent of some problems from last year, which is a little worrying. That second goal against the Galaxy you mentioned um, was essentially United had a corner kick and the Galaxy scored off of it. Yeah. And that happened. You had a situation where Sophie and Jafal, after like three minutes after coming into the game, ends up being the lone defender against three attackers. Um, and it, it's, that's a that's a welcome to the NFL kind of. Yeah, yeah, and it's not his fault at all. But it's really that um, DC's posture coming out of that corner wasn't great. Which, like you're saying, Adam, we had that happen a couple times last year. They were a little over aggressive. In, you know, I, I think their idea, the philosophy behind it is you know, the ball comes in on a set piece, you don't convert it right away, but it's still, there's something there to be had with all the chaos in the box. Um, If you watch, if you track set piece goals, like I've tried to do in MLS and NWSL for the last few years, um, a thing you notice is that teams tend to, there are certain teams that tend to score a lot of these second chance goals where the ball sort of gets cleared, but never really gets cleared. And people put it back in while the targets are still up there. And there's still a lot of chaos and people are like, well, I, I had my man, uh, but he made his run and the ball got half cleared. So I went, I started going back to where I belong in our team shape. And in that phase of that couple seconds there, if you're putting the ball back in, you know, chances are pretty good that something's going to happen. I think DC likes to go hard after that phase of play. It kind of aligns with the pressing ethos of like, let's cause chaos on their end and take advantage in those moments. But if you overdo it, if you're not shaped well to deal, you're one missed tackle away from a three-on-one with a one defensive midfielder against three attackers, and that is what happened here. DC missed a tackle in the LA half, and all of a sudden, it's three-on-one from midfield. Um, I will say if Jafal had stepped to the midfield stripe, he actually would have caught Chicharito offside. Um, I'm not sure the call would have come because the uh, assistant referee in the game seemed to be in preseason form more than anyone else. But um, <laughs> the idea is, you know, 
you'd like to catch someone offside if you can, but I can't really blame him too much. It's a three on one. Um, and he's a midfielder. He is not a defender. He's not used to, I mean, no one's particularly used to three on ones, but he's especially not going to be super used to an MLS three on one featuring Chicharito as one of the three. Um, so I don't want to hang him out the dry too much. Uh, but you know, that's a structural problem that DC does clearly, you know, we talked about it last year. We're talking about it again. Now this is something I need to work on and maybe consider, are we committing too much to this idea of getting these second chances to, to put the ball back into the mixer? Basically, um, is it actually worth the risk? Because I think DC did well on set pieces last year, but I think they were a team that's maybe shaded towards that initial delivery being more dangerous than that second ball because Julian Gressel striking that initial delivery and not Julian Gressel is generally striking that second ball. Um, so that might be something where they need but to just sort of fine tune it. But what if we just cloned Julian Gressel or had like an ethereal Julian Gressel? So there was always a second Julian Gressel everywhere, or maybe just our current Julian well, Gressel needs to accelerate to uh, 70,000 miles per hour. You're so he can strike like a ball I'm, and then get on the other end of it. You're proposing like a Nightcrawler from X-Men, Julian Gressel. Um, <laughs> yeah. And Nightcrawler was German. Um, so there, there is, we're halfway there. Uh, that's science. Right. Uh, he's, he's halfway <laughs> to Nightcrawler. He just has to... Half he just has to wear the, uh, the the crazy costume. I, I remember from the arcade game, he was always, if you played the X-Men arcade game, it was like, well, is Nightcrawler available? Then I'll play him. But if it's, it was one of those four-player games. Um, and if another kid was playing and somebody else had already picked Nightcrawler, it's like, well, I might as well just wait until they die. And then uh, then I'll play by myself. Because uh, it's <laughs> it's Nightcrawler and then it's all the other car- the garbage characters. They're, they're garbage from the comic. They were just in the game. One character was so much better than the other, and it was Nightcrawler. Yeah, Jason doesn't want Jackson. X-Men stands coming for him. No, I, th- I think people who are old and spent time in, in arcades like I am and did um, will remember uh, being like, oh, I have to be Colossus. This is terrible. And then you would be di- well, yeah, you die mean, and lose your quarters. I mean, it's and it's the same as uh, uh, Bo Jackson in Tecmo Bowl. A little bit. It's not quite that severe. That That's a legendary. Uh, yeah. A player that simply cannot be stopped. I don't know why they right. were like, let's program a player in this football game that literally can't be destroyed in any, no matter what you do. Um, this wasn't quite that that severe, but it was, you know, it was out of line. So how are you guys feeling heading into the first week of the season? Like I said, we, we had the four preseason games unbeaten. We only got to see any significant part of one of them. Well, I was um, going to... I was going to say, I couldn't possibly tell you because the only game that some folks were able to see was uh, 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 restricted to only some folks. And so um, I'm, I'm, I'm not feeling great because of the uh, shortage of like bodies on the roster. I think that's pretty bad for the maximum overdrive system. And um like there's like like Taxi Funtus is coming at some point, but that's only one more body between now and the summer transfer window. And there's a lot of games. I think over half the games of DC United's uh, 2022 season happen before it's the exactly half. Okay, exactly half mm-hmm. uh, happened before the the summer window opens. And that's correct. I'm I'm like. Are we going to run? And, and especially right now, uh, like, are we going to run Russell Canals into the ground because he has to start every 
every game like every game like like every game right and that's where my i I think i'm more optimistic than that partly because um we have a year under uh, of maximum overdrive under our belts at this point so the learning curve we saw at the beginning of last season they're already up on it they they don't have to climb that curve again but also the i've mentioned it before the schedule this year doesn't I think there's the first two months of the season or three months of the season, there's no double game week. And so they can just play at the regular schedule without grinding the players into dust, which is awesome. And hopefully uh, helps our injury situation, knock all the wood like Bruno or something. Uh, so I'm, I'm optimistic about that, but they're definitely need, they, they need more bodies, especially in central midfield. Um, I think, I think Nyman can hack it. Uh, alongside Canals, but we need both of them there because Drew Scundrich is the backup for both of them at this point, and we only have like, one Drew Scundrich. Uh, well, let me uh, spoil something from uh, I got to speak with Lucy Rushton uh, earlier today. That article, by the time this podcast comes out, that article should be on the site, and if it's not, it'll be up very soon. Um, it's a race. It, it actually is, and I have to like go through otter and fix its transcriptions which will be interesting uh i got so whichever of you gets your thing on the site first gets to be nightcrawler is what i'm hearing oh man uh because because like i said like if ben gets to be nightcrawler then the solution for me is to literally (laughs) stand around the arcade uh waiting till ben dies um and hoping that ben's not good at the x-men game um but yeah uh one thing that lucy mentioned was that um, Jeff Hall can play the six or the eight. Uh, they think he has the physicality. They think he has the work rate. Um, they love his range of passing on the ball. And these are the kind of things that they, they, they said that in their opinion, at least the only reason he was available in the second round was that he took up an international spot and that he was the top of their draft list coming in. Um, so the fact that he's been in camp and has shown well enough that um, you know, this discussion came without the the elephant in the room is that he's not under contract yet, um, but there's nothing stopping them from signing. He, they have the international spot open. They have the roster spots. Obviously, they've only got 25 players under contract, so they have the roster spots. Um, so there's really nothing stopping them. And I imagine that it's one of those things where it's done but hasn't been announced rather than it being not done yet. Um, so there's one more um, that... Uh, they seem excited uh it's not just a like we're excited to have this young guy and see what he can do uh you know going back and forth between loud and it sounds like they plan on having him as a factor this year um so that's one that that answers one question there um that is where he's been playing in these preseason games um be it as part of a midfield duo or as a trio um which it does seem like we're going to go back and forth there i think this game against the galaxy i think dc played with a front three as a warm-up for this game um, against Charlotte, where it stands to reason that they're going to be very much on the front foot, very much trying to be extra aggressive, if anything, because it's an expansion team, as we're going to talk about in the second segment. It's not an expansion team coming in in the greatest of uh, certainty and uh, normal. They're not LAFC or Atlanta United expansion team. It's been chaotic in Charlotte. And so this is the kind of team that you don't want to let settle into a game. DC already doesn't want to let anyone settle into a game. So um, early in these early weeks, the season, you know, I 
mentioned that they should do well to start the schedule because of the schedule who they've got to play. I think we're going to see a lot of two mid two central midfielder setups and a lot of three four three to start. Um, but the preseason lineups that we've seen have have pretty strongly indicated that Losada is thinking a lot about a some sort of three five two um, or three four one two one of those two. Um, and in those cases, the roles might change, but yeah, it is still a concern. I think, um, even with Jafal coming in, you probably need one more player who fits more of the Canals ball winner role. Um, Skundrich can do that. The team seems to think Jafal can do that. Um, but there's still that issue of, can they? Sure. But is it their natural thing? Probably not. They're probably all in their own way, a number eight, except for Knaus. Um, And that might be where DC runs into an issue is, is, you know, as good as Knaus is, we haven't seen him play more. I think it's 27 games is his maximum in one given season. Um, Even if he's as healthy as he's ever been, you're still probably, you probably have to accept that it's like, you know, five, six games here and there, plus the open cup that he's not playing until let's say they go deep in the open cup. Um, but yeah, it's still a question mark. It's still a reason to have a little apprehension because we've gone into a DC United season recently with only 25 or 26 players on the roster and it didn't end well. Um, and so, yeah, there's a reason to be concerned. So Jason, are you going to start uh, in the open cup for DC United? Uh, probably not given that uh, I just ended up with uh, like a month long back injury over nothing. Just, uh, just from being old. I, yeah. Just age. Um, so no, probably not. Um, I mean, I'm available. I am a free agent. Legally, I can be signed without using an international roster spot or. It sounds um, like you would be a good candidate for the, uh, OG, uh, MLS reserve league. Yeah. uh, I mean, those games were often played at like 9am, uh, the morning after. So I I imagine. By team employees. I imagine a lot of the players that didn't play probably were mildly hungover. Um, so that would help. Cause I would be like, I have to be at my very best for this, the one and only meaningful soccer game of my life. <laughs> um, but what would happen is that these hungover guys would run me over immediately oh, yeah. um, uh, from like the opening kickoff. And I would be, that would be the end of me. Cause um, like, cause like we, we talked, uh, not we, like you talked about on Twitter that like you found a, a moment where it was obvious that like, the folks who were eventually going to be D one and pro players yes, stepped up in like middle school. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Those, those ideas of someone's like, I bet if you gave me, if, if you played me in every game in an NBA season, I could score 20 points before the season's over. No, you would not score any, you would play 40 minutes, 82 <laughs> games a year and you would score zero points and probably not even touch the ball very often, except occasionally the players might like throw it at you as a joke and it might hit you because they wanted it to. But you would not control the ball. Um, you would never score. None of you listening to this, you would not score. Because what, what, uh, what were you saying? Like, h- how good was uh, uh, middle school Kyle Beckerman? I, he was good enough to just casually run, like, dominate the, these random, <laughs> this, like, indoor soccer league that our middle school put together out of nowhere with the no real, uh, it was a structureless setting. But, he, yeah, he yeah, was yeah, clearly yeah. better than everyone. Um, my friend, Brian, uh, shout to Brian, if he's listening, he, he often listens, I believe, uh, to this show, um, came out, I think a year after he finished playing D one, like playing in the tournament D one college. Right, soccer, he was a D one college. Yeah. D one college yeah, soccer player. And, right, and yeah. he just completely dominated, um, 
the indoor league that we were in, and we suddenly went from being like one of many average teams to the best team in the league because Brian was on the team. <laughs> Nothing else changed. Um, but yeah, uh, in any case, uh, so wait, this, go ahead. Jason, I, I'm I'm taking I'm 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 putting Did Adam to the side. To get back I, on I'm, track. Yes, I okay. am. Um, how much would you pay Kyle Beckerman to come back to Maryland and be on your rec league soccer team? I mean, I don't have very much money. I, no, I mean, say, not in not in money, just in like okay. in like love or or yeah. I don't know. I mean, I would say we were at best acquaintances in middle school and like loose acquaintances. He lived across. No, he doesn't have to know you. Just like, just like, would you well, want him on your now soccer team? Sure, I would definitely want him on my soccer team now. Uh, I don't know that he has any interest in coming back to anywhere that's not the Mountain West, since that he seems to have taken to that world. And Maryland is pretty famously not the Mountain West. It's quite different. Um, you could go to Cumberland. I don't think anyone's satisfied with Cumberland. No, I can <laughs> I can assure you. Anyway, um, Michael Estrada played in this game, mm-hmm. uh, and and scored a goal, which yeah. is a, a nice start for the new presumptive starter. Um, it'll be interesting actually to see whether I assume he's going to start this game and it'll be a battle between him and Ola Kamara for the, the number nine spot in the well, early part of the season. Well, assuming that, I mean, we don't actually know how well Kamara is. Um, that's true. Uh, we, we found out last, I, I speculated last week that, you know, his non-appearance in, in any preseason game, uh, it might indicate that he's out the door, but it turns out he was in a health and safety protocol. We don't know if it was actual COVID or if it was another illness or what, um, but he he's apparently back training with the team. He may have some catching up to do. We might not see him for the first few weeks, or he might start against I Charlotte. Believe, who knows? I believe he did do some training on his own here. He just didn't make the flight to California. So it's kind of a mystery. Um, as far as that goes, but it stands to reason that if he's available on Saturday, it would be for a short amount of time. Losada pretty famously last year did not want guys playing major minutes when they were on, you know, if you can go 15, then it's 15 and that's it. Um, and maybe right. not even that. So I, yeah, I don't know that he's going to play much if at all in this game. So yeah, Estrada, is going to have to be a success from from the get-go. DC is going to need him to play well uh, to to have some success in this game, Um, even with Charlotte being seemingly kind of a mess right now. Um, And, you know, the good news is that he he didn't have a ton of goal mouth action, but his header on the goal was very good. Um, The connection, like I said, he started to show with Flores and and Brad Smith on the left was was pretty good. so yeah, this is kind of what you would want. He's only been in camp for a little while, so you do have to kind of take that as part of the deal here that um, this might be a game where DC leans on him for an hour and then looks to Nigel Roberta, who has the benefit, or actually I shouldn't say that because Roberta's yeah, Roberta's out for these, these so first couple We're already games, back to like a forward issue. Like Estrada seems healthy. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think it's, it's a matter of subbing him out for minutes. Um, my thought process was like, well, you know, familiarity-wise, does the is the team going to need a change-up at that point in the game? Hopefully not, but... It's almost like maybe sign the the more people to your soccer roster because you need more people on your soccer roster. 
Yes. I, yeah. Uh, I mean, what you know, some of the problem is they do have a forward that they are trying to sign. And in fact, according to Lucy Rushton, they're still very much interested in signing as soon as possible. Um, Taxi Fontas, it's just a matter of, you know, how uh, you, you need his club to also go through with that. Um, but yeah, they ha- that's another spoiler. For they the should interview. sign. They have not closed the door on that. They are interested still. They should sign uh, Branko Boscovich just to be their uh, Rapid Vienne uh, 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 liaison uh, and leather jacket liaison. Yes. Well, yes, of course. <laughs> I mean, I, I assume he already has that position, whether it's a paid position or not. I, right. I, I can't say. Um, anything else on this game or the preseason before we hit a couple of news items? I think we can go to the news. All right. Uh, the big news is that DC United has acquired as much as $425,000 in GAM for the rights to Junior Moreno. No, there's bigger news, but we're going to start with this one. Um, FC Cincinnati is going to sign Junior Moreno, uh, which is part of why DC United has a depth issue at central midfield, especially at the six. Uh, the reporting I've seen is that he, the, the team you know, made, a, made him a formal offer uh, at a reasonable enough price that it, it counts to keep his MLS rights because he doesn't qualify for free agency and this league is weird. So D, he, for MLS purposes, his rights remained with DC United. So FC Cincinnati had to pay. Uh, I think it was Pablo Maurer who said that it's 250000 this year and incentives up to 175000 for next year. Mm. Um, so 250 up front it could top out at 425 depending on how much he plays in Cincinnati, which should be a significant amount because they I have to think he's an upgrade on Harris Madunian and whose legs are basically just branches. Well, also, a tree. Just, even if he's still there, like they need more of everything. Yeah. Uh, FC Cincinnati has pretty famously never had a defensive midfielder. Um, yeah. They've, they've had guys that are like Yuya Kubo, who they signed to be an attacker ended up playing there last year because it was like, well, he's doing a better job of it than anyone else we've got. And Junior Moreno is a defensive midfielder. So, yeah, he's he's probably going to, you know, we're going into this first game. We're going to see Jordi Reyna and Joseph Mora probably uh, right off the jump. Probably going to see Junior Moreno in game two for FC Cincinnati, no matter what his fitness level is right now, because they're going to be like, well, our other defensive midfielders are Harris Madunianen, who can't really run ever anymore Jason, and Jason Anderson or just like a, a piece of paper that they've written in and set on the field that says please don't play soccer here to just sort of discourage <laughs> teams from attacking in the middle um it's it's a little bit strange but um the the rules of MLS give DC United the right to get a price for this and they they came through pretty big this is a pretty big uh uh score yeah. as far as this goes because if he wasn't coming back like I feel like a hundred thousand would be pretty good, but Cincinnati, Cincinnati, and you, you ask them for as much as you want and see what happens with them because they have a track record of being like, yes, yeah, go ahead, take it. Right. I mean, you have to unleash your inner Garth Lagerway sometimes, and we, when you have the other well, guy over a barrel, you just take all their money that you can. Well, and sometimes uh, what well, well, he did do, to us, <laughs> we do need to uh, figure out how much of this is money and how much of this is in Chile. Um, none of it should be in Chile because we don't know this. It has it has no value. 
Wasn't there just a thing in, in the Slack, and I I'm, can't believe I'm encouraging the Skyline Chili debate for this one time only, about, uh, like, uh, people had ordered Skyline, and then what arrived was, like, cream of mushroom soup instead? Uh, wasn't this something that in, in our... Yes. Um, yes. But also now a, a different a difference Cincinnati-style chili is now on um, um, Guy Fieri's uh, TV show. They're shutting down uh, next week. Blue Ash Chili is for to be on Guy Fieri's show. But they're, they're serving chili and not cream of mushroom soup. Well, correct. We don't but know they're that. serving okay. Cincinnati-style chili. Okay. Which is Greek pasta sauce. As we've discussed many yes. times. Yes. Uh, the the actual big news, speaking of things you use in exchanges other than physical currency, uh, DC United is Ch- has a... Is really a non-fungible token? Um, I think so. It's non-something. I'll say that. I'm not going to engage in this. <laughs> <laughs> DC United has a shirt sponsor after eight years with... Uh, Government contractor Lidos, DC United. It was eight years. Was it? They had a whole press release thanking Lidos for eight wonderful they went from years. Volkswagen to Lidos. That was. Shit. That is how long ago. I mean, shoot. Uh, you were born, Ben. <laughs> this is <laughs> this mean, is I just the attack of you <laughs> specifically. Um, DC United has signed a three-year deal with uh, blockchain technology company. XDC network, which is we're we're not going to go into the specifics or the technical read, stuff. Read my or, read my explainer for yes. a yes. high ben level about this. Yes, Ben, put a link to that in the show notes if you remember yes. too. Because uh, if you're interested in that, it's worth reading. Ben, you're going to have another like a second part of that explainer as right. well. Like like uh, yes, Th- this the first segment was what they say, and then my next piece will be like, but what. What do they say that we don't agree with? What, what what are the problems with what they say? Yeah, Pablo Maurer also had a piece uh, on yes. this deal and, and the company, uh, which hasn't been around that long. They're based out of Singapore. Uh, they seem to be trying to basically be a work with governments and financial institutions like the Fed to handle cross-border financial transaction settlement is kind of where they want to be. They they also have a consumer facing coin and they're going to offer NFTs to fans. So I'm not commenting on any of it. I'm just reporting the facts here. Uh, The the good news for DC United is that this deal looks like one of the richer Jersey sponsorships in the league uh, reported $6 million a year for three years. So that's a, 50% 50% more than what Lidos was paying at the end uh, of their deal, according to reporting. So uh, that part looks pretty good for DC United. Um, yeah. I have so many opinions. Sponsor. Yeah. I have so many opinions. Jason has so many opinions. I'm a crypto skeptic. Like, uh, I feel like we should just leave it there because if we get into this, it'd be like... 50 minutes, uh, two hours, 72 days. Anything I, I like just that. want to discourage any listener from contacting me about this matter. I don't want to talk about it. And in fact, I might mute you like straight up. Uh, I don't want to deal with it. You can contact me, but if you are pro crypto, I will also mute you. If you come into our mentions um, evangelizing and 
throwing out things like normies are dumb for not getting crypto you're we're not going to talk to you like honestly the one of the reasons right. that DC, dc united fans have not responded well to this news i think it's fair to say a lot of dc united fans are very upset about this news and they're not necessarily wrong to be um given the position crypto has right. uh Adam. taken up but one of the biggest problems for crypto is the evangelists who are really bad at evangelizing and mostly just spam people and yell at them in tongues without saying anything. So don't do spam, that. If you spam crypto, right to jail. Yes, right to jail. No trial, straight to jail. Um, why does Fred Armisen play so many different ethnicities? It's weird. That's it for this episode. Um, that does it for this episode. Uh, thank you for sticking with us. We will be back later in the week with Alex Andreev from the Charlotte Observer to preview DC United season op opener against Charlotte FC. Uh, find us at blackandredunited.com, patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially. And if you do so, you can get early access to the episode with Alex get that preview earlier than everyone else uh find us on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and red you send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com find us wherever you get your podcasts uh, and tell a friend about the show that's always the best way to spread the word so for jason and ben i'm adam we'll talk to you again real soon say goodbye jason if you're playing the simpsons video game in the arcade you want to use either bart or marge because they have it once bart has a skateboard and marge is a vacuum cleaner you have a bigger range of attack but you don't want to be homer it's tempting but don't do it